Hello, this is Brother Mouse, and I have an episode today on finding, maintaining, and using those old liquid fuel lanterns and stoves that you find at garage sales, and uh, doing it on the cheap. In the Americas, most of the time, these uh, lanterns and stoves will be made by the Coleman Company, and they will run camping fuel, also known as Coleman fuel, or naphtha, outside the Americas, local uh, lanterns and stoves will probably run on kerosene, also known as paraffin in many locations. For the purposes of uh, this discussion today, I will stick with Coleman uh, because it's a very common term in the Americas and it's what I know the best. So if you're in uh, Britain, uh, you can just su mentally substitute in the word Tilly because you guys have a lot of Tilly lamps and things like that. And uh, other folks, including Northern Europeans, will probably see Optimus, the Svea, I think that's how you say it, Petromax, and those kinds of uh, uh, brands. I'm going to cover uh, why you should care about these old stoves and lanterns, uh, what basic types there are, theory of operation, purchasing, repairing, and maintaining. Let's start with why you should care. There are thousands of unloved Coleman lanterns and stoves in garage sales and sitting in sheds and barns and garages. Uh, all over the place. Uh, you can sometimes even get them for free dumpster diving. Uh, they can be really cheap. Personally, I don't spend more than ten dollars on one. If I can get a uh, uh, if I can get a salvageable Coleman unit for a dollar or two, that's uh, that's a definite buy for me. Uh, five bucks I'll usually buy, and ten if it's pretty decent. So. They don't cost a lot. They're very functional. You can get a 50, 60 year old lantern that works just like the day it was made and will uh, light up your backyard or your fishing trip or use it for emergency preparations. Uh, same thing with the stoves. There are people who can still go out and you know cook on a 1920s uh, Coleman stove or gas plant outside. I tend to uh, cook on Coleman gear out on my porch during the summer when it's really hot and I don't want to overload my 1960s air conditioning uh, or if I'm cooking something uh, like fish, frying fish and you don't want, don't want to get the, the fish smell in your house, you can cook outside on the porch and, and be just fine. The design of a lot of this gear is absolutely gorgeous like a, kind of a nostalgic steampunk look, uh, just really good looking gear. I'll have some pictures in the show notes or, or links to pictures in the show notes. Most of the modern gear is going to propane these days but I'm going to be talking about the liquid fuel models uh, because it's cheaper and it requires skill unlike propane which is basically screw on and, and light it up and go uh, using liquid fuel under pressure uh, requires some attention and some skill and some techniques so I'm going to share that with you today I am recording this today because I'm in the middle of a uh, four day snow in in Texas we've had ice and snow here which is very unusual and we had rolling blackouts where people had no power and which means that uh, most people in electric houses can't cook and uh, I had both light and heat because my uh, Coleman gear was ready to roll and uh, so I was able to cook and see what was going on um, out on the back patio using uh, this old you know two dollar two dollar gear alright let's talk about the basic types of gear very briefly of what you're going to see in the lantern world, there are either single or double mantles, and the mantles are those little sock-like things hanging down that glow. Uh, they actually produce the light. 
there is very little functional difference between single and double ma mantles, and uh, a lot of times it's a matter of preference. Um, in theory, the double throws less of a shadow because the generator tube, which you'll hear about later, uh, does not throw a shadow from the mantle. Uh, in, in the real world, I think that it makes almost no difference whatsoever. On the stove front, uh, either stoves are large suitcase looking devices which have two or three burners in them and these are called oddly enough suitcase stoves uh, or they can be small single burner they look like kind of camping gear uh, and those are called traditionally sportsters um, so those can be uh, two different ways the sportsters tend to be all um, uh, assembled together in one piece and, and things don't come off of them but the suitcase ones normally store the fuel tank and stuff inside and you take it out and hook it up when you run it so those are the basic types of gear that you'll be looking for when you've got your five dollars in hand and you're prowling the garage sales let's spend a few minutes uh, talking about theory of operation how these devices actually work and that will help you understand what you're looking for when you're buying them and it will help you understand what you're working on when you start to uh, hack at these things and noodle with them and and uh, and mess with them the word that pressure gear people use is fettle f-e-t-t-l-e which means to fool around to mess around with your gear uh, to make it better make it work or just for fun alright unlike an old railroad lantern that has a wick which is unpressurized liquid fuel pressure gear is literally pressurized to about two atmospheres or about 30 psi the fuel is kept pressurized in a fuel tank usually called a fount like the word fountain without the AIN at the end of it this fuel tank uh, is filled usually about three-quarters of the way up and has some kind of a built-in hand pump mechanism take the, the the little pump and you unscrew it a turn or two and put your thumb over the end and go pump 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 pump, pump and it goes so you probably have seen your father or your grandfather do that or maybe in the movies and that's what actually pressurizes the uh, air inside of the fuel tank and that's what provides um, pressure to move the fuel throughout the whole system. Connected to or very nearby the fount is a fuel valve which regulates the release of fuel out of this pressurized fount into the rest of the system. Normally it'll just be a uh, knob to turn. Alright, leaving the fuel valve now we usually will enter a generator also called a vaporizer or gasifier the purpose of this generator is to turn the pressurized liquid fuel into vapor so that it can be efficiently burned by the rest of the system now the thing that freaks people out particularly with stoves is they look at this generator and notice that it generally passes directly through an open flame uh, in other words the the burner which we'll get to here in just a second actually puts flames right on the generator well that's where the heat comes from to do the vaporizing this causes some weirdness during startup and we'll talk about that in just a little bit but it is in fact designed in such that the heat from the burning system provides uh, the energy to vaporize the incoming fuel 
in a lantern, uh, the generator runs up beside the glowing mantles rather than through an open flame, and that's where it picks up the heat. Regardless of whether it's a stove or a lantern, usually after going through the generator, the now gasified fuel takes a U-turn through a little manifold normally called an air tube. This air tube does two things. First of all, it's usually shaped like a U, so it physically reroutes this superheated vapor uh, back down to where you want it into the burner, whether it's going to be burned as an open flame with the stove or stuffed into a sock mantle and, uh, and produce light. Either way, it gets it where you need the vapor. Second, it also mixes with uh, atmospheric air. This is where the air comes from to achieve uh, stoichiometric efficiency. Remember this air tube because we'll talk about it later when we bring home our first uh, piece of gear from a garage sale. So after we leave the air tube or manifold, we are at the burner where you, in a stove you'd have a burner where the flames just you know come out like on a gas range and cook your food. Or uh, it'll go down into little sock-like mantles uh, that glow in the case of a lantern. It's really a pretty simple setup and there are either two or three moving parts in the system depending on whether or not you have a, uh, a tip cleaner. But, uh, but basically it's pretty straightforward. I don't have any uh, mechanical skills really. It's simple enough for me to understand and work on and have fun with. The parts are cheap enough and, and available enough to where it's just, it's just fun to noodle with. Now that you know how these systems work, I'm going to give you a few warnings, things that you need to be aware of. Uh, number one, kerosene is a pretty safe fuel to mess with. You're not going to blow yourself up with kerosene probably. With Coleman fuel and unleaded, which some of them run on, uh, you can blow yourself up real good, so pay attention. It's a common for experienced uh, pressure fuel people to work to do their first lighting out in the middle of the yard just in case and to have a fire extinguisher handy just in case. Um, I personally have never needed to use a fire extinguisher but I have been glad in the past before that I would had, was actually working in the yard and not you know under the eaves of my house or something. So Now the next thing I want to share with you is what scares most non-hacker types when they see one of these devices being lit for the first time. During the initial lighting before the system comes up to operating temperature, there can be flare-up. There can be inches or you know a foot of big yellow flames coming out of the burner or out of the mantle area. This is because the generator has not come to temperature high enough to vaporize the fuel, and it's a very inefficient burn of actually liquid fuel. Now this settles down quickly within you know, a few seconds or certainly less than a minute, but it can be disconcerting to onlookers. And if you're doing this for yourself for the first time, if you've never been near anyone who's lit one of these things, you may want to go on to uh, YouTube and do a search for Coleman Lantern Light Up or uh, How to Light a Coleman Stove, that kind of thing. And you'll get a feel for how high that initial flare-up happens and it'll keep you from panicking. Once it comes to, to operating temperature, it'll settle down to either a nice, tight, blue, beautiful flame on a stove or a nice, blinding white uh, light in the case of a lantern. In either case, these pieces get really, really hot during normal operation. Um, 
a stove obviously gets hot. I don't have to tell you not to touch a stove. That's three-year-old stuff. But it is not immediately obvious to onlookers that a lantern gets really hot. I've put an infrared gun on a lantern before, and I regularly get over 500 degrees uh, on the top of a lantern. That includes the little screw that holds the lid on. Uh, so always use the bail. The bail is the metal handle that you use to carry the lantern. Always use the bail, and I'm always careful to also lay the bail down. In other words, don't leave it sticking straight up because it can pick up residual heat, and it might be hard to pick up. So uh, I always lay the bail down. Because the fuel is under pressure, be sure, sure, sure to never open up the fuel cap on a pressurized device until it's completely cool. You can probably imagine that opening up a fuel cap on a hot lantern or stove would be bad in opening up the fuel cap on a pressurized and running stove or lantern might be the last mistake you ever make so I would not do that make sure that you let it get cool before you open up and release pressure because the fuel valve is before the generator before the air tube and before the burner or mantles there is a certain amount of lag time between closing the valve completely and the flame going out. Uh, it may take 60 seconds. It may take just a few seconds. It just depends on how the machine is running. But bear in mind that it's not going to be turning it off like on your gas range at the house. Now let's talk about how to find these uh, old pieces of gear. They're very easy to find on eBay, but you have to pay shipping, which can be expensive. Uh, another good place would be Craigslist. Um, I, I troll Craigslist and watch for uh, lantern gear, and if it's cheap enough, I usually swing by and pick it up. You can find freebies on FreeCycle. I have gotten multiple uh, stoves and lanterns off of, for free off of FreeCycle and put them to good use. Uh, I've rebuilt them and, and uh, gave one to my uh, neighbor who runs a, a, a Boy Scout troop and, and that kind of thing. So it's just, just you can find them for free or cheap. It is very common to find them in estate sales, in garage sales, yard sales, that kind of deal. Uh, my, my favorite price to pay is a dollar. Um, I will pay up to ten bucks for something very interesting that I would like. The most I've ever paid was $25 for a three burner, a new or nearly new three burner dual fuel suitcase stove and dual fuel means it's designed to run both unleaded and Coleman fuel. Uh, so that's the most I've ever paid for one. Uh, my most recent two things that I bought and I'll share this with you because I got one completed and I'm still working on the last one. The second to last thing I bought was at a um, a yard sale. I was at a, uh, a local Masonic Lodge. It was having a yard sale. And, and I was walking around looking and there was a cardboard box and all I could see was was some paper jammed in a box and at the top of it was a green lantern top sticking out. And I couldn't tell anything, nothing about what was in this box. And I said, what do you want for this box? And they said, a dollar. So, um, I said, okay, here's your dollar, and I I took it home, flushed it with fresh fuel, tied on a new mantle, and fired it up, and it works. A dollar. It's beautiful. It's perfect. It's 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 probably uh, I don't know. It's my favorite, but it's certainly a wonderful lantern. The most recent thing I bought 
Um, I had actually been looking around actively trying to find a very small, what's called hiking lantern, that Coleman makes. And they're really, really small. I mean, they're not like the big size that you see your grandpa carrying. They're about half that size, and they're built very delicately so that you can put them inside of a backpack. Well, um, I was at a yard sale and saw one new in box, and they, I said, how much do you want for it? And they said, 10 bucks. And I was like, fine. I went ahead and gave them 10 bucks for it because, first of all, it was new in box. Second of all, um, it was something hard to find. I mean, you don't see many of those around, and, and I'd actually been actively searching for one, and the universe just said, here, here's your hiking lantern. So uh, this particular one turned out to be a new in-box 1990-222B as in Bravo single mantle hiking lantern, and I'll uh, put a uh, picture of that in the notes for you as well. Um, I am, I've got it partially disassembled at the moment, I think I need to rebuild part of the valve in this one. I don't have a lot of experience with uh, Coleman gear that's this new. Stuff built since the 80s has a different uh, different setup on some of the valves, and, and uh, most of my stuff is from the 50s and 60s. As soon as I uh, get it put back together, I will post a picture. One of the things to keep in mind about Coleman gear is that if, uh, if you're looking at a lantern and it has a little cup, uh, around the generator, where the generator comes up through the base. It's probably a kerosene model, um, which are a little bit more rare. In general, the lanterns with the straight-sided lanterns tend to be newer, and the ones with the bulb-shaped or round lanterns tend to be older. I mean, there are there are differences, but but that's kind of how it goes. If you're in a situation where you can pick up and look at this lantern, there's also date codes. The year is traditionally stamped on the bottom of the uh, fount on the on a lantern, and it's both the year and month. On the Sportster stoves, it tends to be stamped on the bottom, just like on a lantern. On the suitcase stoves, it's stamped usually on the bottom of the suitcase, uh, if you were to flip the whole thing upside down and look. But a lot of times, uh, you know, flipping it over and inspecting it that carefully might might tip your hand, that um, that you're more interested in it and the price might go up. And also, the actual year usually doesn't matter unless you're looking for something very specific. One of the things you want to do while you've got this thing in your hand is to shake it gently. And one of the uh, warning signs to listen for is is sounds of solid material in the fount, in the fuel tank. Um, that usually would indicate rust, and rust is one of the few things that makes uh, a Coleman stove or lantern not worth the time to restore. Pretty much anything other than rust is worth restoring, or physical damage. I mean, if it's got dents or bends or something, you may not want to restore that. Also, if there's physical holes in the fount, uh, like it's rusted completely through, it's just not it's just not possible to restore. You might use it for parts for something else, but it's not going to be it's not going to be functional for the most part. For most uh, lanterns, missing the glass globe is not a deal killer. You can buy a replacement for less than 10 bucks somewhere, but I would probably stick to the $1 to $5 range on those because you're going to have to buy the globe. If you hear liquid fuel sloshing around on the inside, um, you might ask them when the last time it was they burned it. Um, if it's had fuel inside of it for 15, 20 years, and that does happen, uh, the insides can get varnished and it might take a little bit extra time to clean up. About the only unit, you know, in 100 years of production that people generally will advise you to stay away from is a lantern uh, built by Coleman Four Sears, and it's called the 275 uh, Lantern. It has a distinctive shape. When you see it, it's going to look funny, uh, and it's brown in color, and so the combination of the brown color 
and the um, poor design uh, has lent it the, the name turd. People refer to this as the turd lantern. Uh, so uh, that might give you an idea of, of uh, why you might want to avoid it. So let's say you brought your treasure home. Uh, you've got your lantern or your stove uh, in your hands. You take it home. First thing I would do is uh, use a light brush of some kind. You just kind of knock the big chunks of of uh, dust off of it. Traditionally, when I'm working on uh, new or existing uh, gear, I'll wear those vinyl vinyl or uh, latex gloves because you're going to end up with fuel on you and and maybe dirt and grime and crap like that. So. I just wear a pair of disposable gloves and it seems to make cleanup a little easier. First thing I would do normally is to uh, get, hold, uh, loosen up the plunger, unscrew it once or twice and gently give it a couple of pumps, pump, 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 and see if it seems to be holding pressure. Normally after about 10 pumps you should be able to feel whether it's holding pressure. It would not be unusual at this point for it not to be. Uh, the gasket on the fuel cap lid could be dried out, in which case it's building pressure but not holding it, or uh, it could be that the fuel valve is open or stuck open, in which case you'd need to close it for it to build and, and keep pressure, or it may be that the little what's called pump cup inside of the, um, the little pump that you're pumping maybe isn't sealing very well and uh, it, on older ones are made of leather and you can uh, disassemble it and soak it in uh, either neat's foot oil or motor oil for a few hours and it will come back to being its uh, delightful self and I'll have some uh, notes in the in the uh, in the bottom in, in, I'll, I'll put some show notes up that show you how to disassemble those and do do that kind of work while you're letting that uh, pump cup soak in oil, you might as well put some fresh fuel in the fount and swish it around and that will help pick up any debris that's in there. Now what I usually do is I usually reclaim that fuel by running it back through a coffee filter. I have like a funnel and then put a coffee filter in there and so I swish 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 and then dump the fuel back out of the uh, fount and I do that a few times until basically there's no more particulate matter coming out of it and so that way you're not losing or wasting any fuel uh, and uh, and you're getting it nice and cleaned out on the inside. Next thing I would do is if you have a suitcase stove, I would use a air hose uh, f with a compressor and blow air through the air tube. And the reason for that is is that it is that it's open in there. Um, the air tube is open until you actually assemble the uh, the fuel tank assembly into it for use and spiders love to crawl in there and spin webs and if you don't blow that out and I usually will also use a pipe cleaner in there there can be spider webs which will catch raw fuel which will drip down uh, instead of going into the burner during the warm up phase and now you've got you know liquid gasoline like fuel burning in the bottom of your stove which is bad a similar kind of thing can happen with a lantern because if the mantle has broken, and it normally will be broken when you buy one at a garage sale, spiders can crawl back up inside of that air tube and do the same thing. So uh, to clean that out, basically you would just um, use the screw, take off the top, take off the globe, take off any little bit of mantle that's in there, and stick your air hose and your pipe cleaner up in that air tube, and that will help 
uh, knock out any spider webs. So once we have it uh, put back together and holding pressure, we're ready to do a first burn. Uh, we're not guaranteed to have a good clean burn the first time, but basically we're just kind of looking to see whether the parts are holding together. One of the tricks I've learned from old timers is that uh, one of the best ways to get a good clean start without a lot of sputtering and huge flare-up is to get your ear near the device, crack the fuel valve until you hear the fuel start to enter the system. So when you first crack it, you'll hear just plain air. Then when the fuel starts to enter the system through the fuel valve, you'll hear it start to sputter. And there's no flames are involved. We're just talking about just opening the valve, cracking the valve, just a little bit. And so it'll sound like this. And when you start to hear that, that start to get in there, um, and not just the pure air sound, close that valve because it's ready to start uh, dispensing fuel, and you want to be ready for that. Sometimes there'll be a lighting lever where you need to like turn this down for the first 60 seconds. It's basically like an enrichener, like a choke, manual choke on a car. Sometimes you'll do that. A lot of times there'll actually be instructions for lighting right on the side of the device. It's very handy. Otherwise, you can look it up online. Uh, but but the ob object of the game is you know turn your lighting lever if there is one. Get your flame in place. And I use a like a barbecue lighter because it's long. Crack that valve open, usually about a quarter of a turn, and it'll take a few seconds to catch. And then you'll hear the air and the fuel start coming out. And all of a sudden it'll go pop like that and it'll start to flame. Now normally, I already warned you that there's going to be some flare-up in the beginning. Kind of ugly, big, ugly burning yellow flames coming out of it, about you know, a foot tall or whatever. Don't you worry about it. You're okay. As that generator starts to heat up, that flame will start to tighten up contract and turn to a gorgeous blue color on a stove. Now, in a uh, lantern, these flames will actually be coming out the top of the lantern through the vents, and then once it gets up to temperature, you'll hear it kind of go pop, 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 like that, and it will, uh, you'll start to see the mantles really glow uh, very pretty, and there will be no more flames. It'll just be kind of a blinding white light. Now at this point, if you do get pressure and you do get fire, but it never settles down to a nice white light or it never settles down to a nice blue flame, the next thing to look at would be a generator. That generator can be unscrewed and replaced. That tends to be the most expensive thing that you would change. Uh, I would say that depending on the device, they run somewhere between 5 and $15. Um, so I wouldn't change it unless you know for sure that that one needs to be changed. Some of them are all metal on the inside and they can actually be uh, refurbed if you like. You can actually superheat them with a torch and, and clean them out with uh, with certain kind of solvents uh, that you would have already in your house. That's kind of an advanced topic and I won't discuss it here, but I will have links to that kind of thing for you. If you were cranking up your uh, device and it happened to be a lantern, then you would need to have tied on a fresh mantle. You can get those from Walmart for, you know, four for two dollars or something. They're pretty cheap. Uh, they make some with little metal clips, but those suck. They're hard to put on and they cost a lot more. Just suck it up and get the little tie-on mantles and learn how to tie those on. Um, I think you'll enjoy doing it. You'll want to burn off the mantles before you light the lantern. And that basically means once you get them tied on, then just light it with a, a, a match. Don't touch them. Just light them, and they'll burn off. Um, they'll just catch on fire and leave just a um, an, an ash matrix. Um, we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, try not to breathe that smoke. First of all, it smells really bad. Second of all, it has 
uh, rare earth stuff in it that you don't want to breathe. The original mantles were uh, embedded with a radioactive thorium, which glowed with a brilliant blue-white light, uh, but the radioactivity uh, freaked people out, and rightly or otherwise, and so now it usually uses yttrium, another rare earth that's uh, much less uh, radioactive. The miracle of these mantles is that uh, they operate by what's called uh, candoluminescence or something like that. Basically, these um, these rare earths, when they're Im- uh, embedded and in, impregnated into this fabric, when they get to a certain temperature, they don't just glow the way that normal things glow. Like if you heat up something and it glows red and then white or whatever, uh, it's called I think it's called black box luminosity. And uh, the the color varies with the temperature, which is why sometimes you see paint swatches and things described in terms of degrees Kelvin. Uh, these rare earth impregnated materials do something odd. They don't give off much uh, energy in the infrared range. It's all shifted up into the white, or at least to the visible area. So they they have this kind of highly pumped luminosity uh, for whatever reason compared to normal things of that same temperature. So they they get really bright, and it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing to see. It'll hurt your eyes if you stare right at it. Once you've got your device running, uh, if you need to put it away and store it, you c- I would uh, dump out all the fuel, run it back through a um, run it back through a coffee filter and store it for the next time. That way, it'll keep uh, any fuel varnish from building up on the uh, internal fuel air tubes. Suitcase stoves don't need anything special; they just fold up into a little steel case of their own, so they're impermeable. You just stack those wherever you want. The little Sportster stoves I have found can be stored inside of coffee cans like the new Folgers or Maxwell House uh, plastic coffee cans. They just slip right down in there and the pump fits into one of the little finger grip parts and so that's a really great stackable container. Cheap, light, waterproof or at least water resistant um, containers. I love them. On the lanterns, people over the years have spent many hours building custom wooden cabinets or buying them. They tend to be expensive. Uh, But what I've been doing is I just use uh, like a pickle bucket, one of those big buckets with a pry-off lid. And uh, whenever I get packages from Amazon with that thick bubble lining, I just uh, adhere uh, that bubble packing material to the inside of the pickle bucket and just set that lantern right down inside there. And then it'll stack and, and it's nice and safe. It won't get beat up. There are more advanced topics having to do with these Coleman lanterns and stoves that I will mention but not go into. Uh, you can disassemble every single little tiny piece in these lanterns, and uh, down inside the fount, you can take the, you can unscrew the assembly off the fount and get in there and and uh, replace tiny little parts if you like. There are people who disassemble them and reassemble them into. Uh, custom designs basically where they have different founts and different tops to suit their purposes. There are people who uh, use different uh, generator tubes with different what's called uh, gas tips to convert regular Coleman fuel lanterns to kerosene. I have done that on one. Uh, I find it actually runs in my case best on what's called an Amish blend which is 25% or so Coleman and 75% kerosene. Uh, so I did that as an experiment with one of my uh, spare lanterns. In the show notes, I'm going to put in some forums and uh, and links for you that may be useful in case you're interested. And one final note that I'll add, 
and this will kind of tell you what kind of community is out there for uh, pressure lanterns and pressure stoves is that whenever someone on one of the forums uh, either experiences a, a death in the family or, or maybe even that forum contributor dies and someone on the family comes on and mentions it people on the forum that night will break out their favorite lantern or the most appropriate lantern and they'll light it in memory of the person who has died I just love the idea of there being lanterns lighting up the night all across the world for the deceased person and I like to think that maybe it's helping uh, light their way to their final destination well I hope it's been a useful show and that it encourages you to pick up that orphaned stove or lantern that you find at the next garage sale or yard sale have fun post pictures if you do adopt one bye bye thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio HPR is sponsored by caro.net so head on over to caro.net 